At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Super Contest winners Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSAN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back into the Pro Football Blitz right here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Brady Cannon live at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. And my partner, James Salinas, is along via Denver, Colorado. And we want to bring another voice into the conversation here. It's Vinny Iyer. He covers the NFL and fantasy football for the Sporting News. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Iyer. That's I-Y-E-R. Vinny, thank you so much for joining us. And here we are a week away from football's finale, the grand finale, the big dance down at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, the Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, what is your has been your initial impression, still a week away, Vinny, about this matchup? Uh, does it look dominant one way or the other to you? Do you think we have a real close game? Uh, the underdog Cincinnati Bengals, are they real live to win this thing? How is it shaping up in your head just at first glance so far with a week to, di- uh, to digest it so far? Yeah, given how the playoffs have gone before, I mean, I just see this as being another tight game to cap all this off. And we look at the Bengals have been great momentum after the past, the several weeks here, one game that they didn't really play to win there against Cleveland, but looked really good at the other games, including beating the Chiefs twice. You can't discount it the way it happened in those games. So we really thought the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl again. So it is just a amazing run by them. And the Rams have gotten a few breaks along the way. I think they've not played their best necessarily. They did against the Cardinals. I think the Buccaneers game was weird because they dominated much of it, but then lost nearly lost it in the end. And then you saw the 49ers game. They kind of were a bit sloppy in that one. We're fortunate to escape there late. Matthew Stafford had the early red zone interception. So Rams are a little bit up and down. The Bengals are kind of finding themselves at the right time. So I think it's going to lead up to a pretty close game here. So thinking about a close game here, Vinny, and we're going to get plenty of discussion about the matchup in the trenches between the offensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals and the great pass rush that we're going to see with the L.A. Rams. And I think we saw some some change in the adjustments offensively and schematically up front from the divisional game where Joe Burrow took nine sacks in that game at Tennessee and we're still able to to get back on his feet and, and remain competitive and win that football game to where they just took one sack. Now, Burrow was able to escape a number of pass rushers in that second half from Kansas City, but I'm wondering what is your perspective of this matchup in the trenches, and what do you expect to see offensively for Cincinnati 
not only out of Joe Burrow, but thinking about Joe Mixon and Joe Mixon's impact in this game, both rushing the football as well as receiving the football out of the backfield? Well, it's kind of funny. I think uh, the Bengals kind of embrace the pressure in terms of uh, welcoming it sometimes because it sets up their screen game and sets up some easy one-on-one matchups. So the one thing you cannot do against him is blitz. I mean, Joe Burrow is pretty proficient in handling that. um, He's very very smart on his speed, extends plays as well, whether he's in the pocket or just buying time. We saw him run and make that great throw. I think it was against the Raiders in the first round where he kind of rolled out to his right at the touchdown to Tyler Boyd. So there's a lot of things Joe Burrow can do to avoid the pressure. And I think that, that's a testament to him. I mean, we're you know, one of the most sacked quarterback in the league 51 times in the regular season, nine in that uh, game against the Titans and still overcome. It's pretty special there. Vinny, of course, you spend a great deal of time there for the Sporting News covering fantasy football, and I think we can apply that to the breakdown here. Obviously, guys like Cooper Cup, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. I mean, you had some fantasy stars, I imagine, uh, in the fantasy world of things this year for both of these squads. Is there something that you're able to find from kind of a fantasy study, if you will, where maybe one team doesn't do well against the tight end or they're very weak in covering, you know, running backs, catching passes out of the backfield? Is there any angle like that that you've kind of discovered in looking at these teams from a fantasy perspective all year that you think might translate into how this game plays out? Well, I think you look at the number two wide receivers because we know Cooper Cup's going to love attention. So is Jamar Chase. So, I know those people would be Odell Beckham Jr. and T. Higgins. Both these guys had 100-yard games in the championship games. And you look at the Rams' second corner, Darius Williams, he's been pretty targeted often here because Jalen Ramsey's figured to be a little bit on Jamar Chase. I don't know if you'll see true shadow coverage, but on the outside, do you think Ramsey would go there? Maybe you'll see Ramsey and Tyler Boyd at times because he's such a key target. So I figure Higgins is going to see a lot of favorable coverage. And then Odell on the other side, I mean, Eli Apple, <laughs> a battle of former Giants there that uh, – a lot of favor that were first round picks. So that'll be interesting to see if they can get him isolated there. There are two other corners, uh, GW Louisier and uh, Mike Hilton, the Steelers, who's a pretty good slot guy. You figure they can try to work to try to contain Cooper cup. So in general, I think that's what you're looking at in this game is the number two receivers. Unfortunately, it looks like Tyler Higby and CJ Zama might be in trouble here in terms of their health to play. So tight end may not be as big a factor, but I can also see, the screen game for both teams with uh, Joe Mixon and Cam Akers being a big part of this. So, Vinny, let's kind of take what fantasy football looks like, the predictive nature of when it comes to player performance, and we can apply that to to the player props. We know for the Super Bowl there's such a wide variety on the on the betting menu when it comes to player props, and let's break down the quarterback. So both with Stafford and with Burrow, there's a lot of head-to-head props that you can get between those two. Most completions, basically which one will have more completions. They're right now even money for both of them one way or the other. It's a pick em. Pass attempts. I think that's the one I'm really interested in is the pass attempts. Right now, Matthew Stafford is just a half. He, he's He's just a half a pass attempt uh, underdog against Joe Burrow. And I'm curious to see when you start to apply how you think these game plans are going to go for both teams, which quarterback do you think is going to have more opportunities to throw the football, either Joe Burrow or Matthew Stafford? They're rather pass happy and they're comfortable doing that in terms of uh, having a very high percentage of passes. They don't mind going as many as high as 70% in terms, 70% in the passing game. So I just think that 
it might be a little bit game script dependent where we go, but I think the Bengals need to have a little bit more balance in this game. They've got the better all around back. I think Cam Akers with the injury issues that it could be limited this game. They can bring in Sonny Michelle a little bit, but I think the Bengals are more are more likely to stay with the run in this game. Well, they're going to be facing an awful good run defense in the Rams, and I agree with you. I think they're going to have to do everything well, and you know that's probably the case just about for not only any football game, but especially the Super Bowl. The Rams, to me, seem maybe a little bit more one-dimensional, uh, maybe not quite as good as of a, of a rushing attack, and we'll see if maybe Cam Akers finally breaks out. But, Vinny, what about the coaching matchup? I think the coaching matchup is very interesting with two former guys that worked together uh, in the Los Angeles clubhouse there. Zach Taylor was the wide receivers coach and also the quarterback coach under Sean McVay. Uh, do you think that gives him an advantage that maybe he knows what McVay tends to do on offense? Or do you think maybe it's an advantage for McVay? Or, or do you think it's just a wash because they're both very familiar with one another? I think there is a sense of familiarity. I mean, it, it's, it goes both ways for sure. There are some tendencies that you look at at both teams. But I think these coaches are also smart enough to break tendencies. And you've seen that in a lot of games where they can pivot to who's the go-to guy in any game spread the ball around. They can go from being an aggressive downfield passing team to more uh, in the rhythm and going for the short to intermediate. So they're going to feel each other out. It's going to be one of those games that we've seen the Super Bowl before where you don't have a lot of scoring early is seeing what works or setting up something down the line here for their offenses. Uh, maybe you get the run established to set up a big playoff play action. So it's going to be feeling out a little bit. I think the defenses will come out a little bit hot and energetic in this game and make some plays there, but it, it's going to be good to see the back and forth chess match. I think you'll really see it rev up there late third quarter in the fourth quarter. Vinny, we've got to Vinny, uh, so we, oh, go, go ahead, James. I'm sorry. No, that's real. Well, I just wanted, we talked about the familiarity with the coaches. What about the Rams playing at home, They're being familiar with the home setting and playing in SoFi stadium? Do you feel like that's an advantage or could that potentially be a distraction and maybe more expectations locally for those players to, to other commitments outside of the game that they'll have to tend to? Yeah, it's interesting. And we know it played in the favor of Tampa last year with Tom Brady, but you look at this here, it's different. I mean, you don't think of the Rams as having that one great home field advantage. I mean, they're only five and three in the regular season there. And you look at the games in the playoffs, they dominate the Cardinals, but they had a close tight one against the 49ers. So it's a team that's also lost some tough games at home, including the 49ers and Titans and these teams that have come in there and handled the crowd or lack thereof of the crowd that's really making the noise. And you have a neutral side here pretty much with no. Rams fans' noise affecting things. You might have a few more actually Bengals fans in, in the house than actual dedicated Rams fans or the locals there. So I don't know if it's going to play too much into it here in the game overall for either side. I, I think the Rams are, are a team that's known not to have the same type of fan face as other teams. So I don't think you'll see that uh, dominance in any way here. And I think it'll be probably less prevalent than it was in Tampa for the Bucks. All right, Vinny, we'll let you get out of here. Now, before we let you go, you opened up the conversation saying you thought it would be a tight game, close uh, score in the end. Do you have a prediction yet? Yeah, I think I'm going to go to the Bengals. I'll preface this by saying I've gone with the Bengals in every round. <laughs> this come true, and I've gone against the Rams in a couple of rounds. So, uh, but I, I think I'm going to stick with the Bengals. I think they have the momentum here. I think 
you know, Burrow, you look at the trajectory of his career, I think it's just getting started here as one of the top AFC passers. So I'm going there. I think he's going to make the plays in the end. And you have the most sack quarterback against the most intercepted quarterback. So I'm going to go with the guy that's probably going to make the lesser of the mistakes in this game. All right, very good. Vinny Iyer, follow him on Twitter at Vinny Iyer and follow his work at the Sporting News. Vinny, thank you so much for joining us and enjoy the Super Bowl next week. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right, very good. So uh, we've got one vote for a close game, and uh, Dave Lapham, he thought it was going to be a close game. Seems like a couple of Bengals fans so far on the program. Just getting started here into hour number two on the Pro Football Blitz. We'll see where the rest of the program goes. See if we can create any Rams fans. We'll be back in just a moment at VSIN. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. You're getting ready to watch the big game? We want you to make sure VSN is a part of your plans. On Championship Weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage at vsin.com, all leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make your plans now to join the VSN experts before, during, and after the action at vsin.com. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you inside the Pro Football Blitz, and James. Uh, we were talking there with Vinny Iyer and you and I discussing it a little bit earlier in the program, uh, really about the lack of running game for both of these teams, maybe just a little bit better for the Cincinnati Bengals. They ranked 23rd in the NFL in rushing offense with just over 100 yards per game on the ground. The Rams ranked 25th in the NFL at 98.3 yards per game rushing the football in their last game, the AFC Championship game, the Bengals rushed it for 116 yards, and the Rams ran it for just 70 yards in their win over the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship. Now, both teams, when they rush the ball for 100 yards or more, are very successful. The Bengals were 7-1 and one, straight up and against the spread when they rushed for at least 100 yards. The Rams were 8-1 and one straight up when they do it. Uh, also, just 6-3 and three against the spread, however. Now, Los Angeles was second in the NFL in yards per play on offense at six yards a pop. The Bengals were eighth at 5.8 yards per play. 
The Bengals were 26th in rushing yards per attempt at just four yards per attempt, and the Rams were 29th at just 3.8 yards per rushing attempt. Now, the Bengals were number one in the NFL at yards per pass attempt at eight and a half yards per attempt. The Rams were number three at 8.2 yards per attempt. So I think if we can draw a picture out of all of this, I think maybe you can argue, James, that both of these teams are a little bit one-dimensional on offense, but I feel like maybe more so the Rams are. And because of that Rams pass rush on defense, I think it forces the Bengals to become more creative on offense. Definitely need to be more creative and finding ways to get Joe Mixon the football. I think for me, there's going to be plenty of talk about Jamar Chase and the connection he has with Joe Burrow and and Chase's ability just to uh, take a quick out and take it to the house for 70 yards. He just has not only the speed, the breakaway speed to be able to take it the distance, but also really the elusiveness and be able to put the foot in his explosiveness. He the, The quick start that he gets, he can put the foot in the ground and make a move and he's gone. And I think we've, we've seen that we've seen his ability to just be able to make plays in space, but there's going to be some, there's going to be some coverage help along for Jamar chase. And I think the Rams are going to clearly be focused on, look, we're going to keep everything in front of us. And then we've got to come up and we've got to tackle form tackle in space. We're not trying to throw helmets at this guy. We've got to put shoulders, eyes of the sky, wrap up and bring this kid down because we cannot let him beat us in, in, in space and be able to break a big play from that perspective. And I think the, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to have to try to find ways to get the ball quickly to Jamar Chase because of that pass rush, but ultimately it falls back on to me with Joe Mixon is is the big player in my mind for this game, both in the rush game and the pass game, and I think he's going to be he's going to get the bulk of the touches for sure. He does when it comes to rushing the football, but I think also in the passing game here, really to take some of the heat off that pass rush we talked about the screens and being able to run off tackle to kind of slow down those edge rushers and not running at Aaron Donald you got to run away from big fella in on the interior there but yeah I I think from this perspective here for these teams the other part is the Bengals and we've seen this they are very creative with their coverages and yeah I like their safeties their box safety is is Von Bell and his ability to be able to come up and and lay a good hammer on you but I think their corners tackle very well Wuzier coming over this year as a free agent tackles very well in space and and the last part for the Rams Brady is they haven't had any consistency when it comes to rushing the football Cam Akers got hurt before the season started. Now he's just coming back from that Achilles injury and surgery that he had to start the season. And and you know now he's dealing with a shoulder injury as well. You've got Sony Michelle, who's been in this position before in the Super Bowl. And I think you're going to see some split carries and split touches out there, not only for Cam Akers not being fully healthy in this game, but also be able to rely on Sony Michelle because he's been in the big game before with New England as, a, as the running back there a few years back when they did beat Los Angeles. So... I think you're going to see a split carry and we can get into props when it comes to rushing and and who's going to have more attempts, those types of things. But I think Joe Mixon, both rushing and receiving, is the X factor in my mind for the Cincinnati Bengals offense. Yeah, and, you know, they might want to use him over the middle quite a bit. You and I talked about that in our breakdown of the NFC Championship game between the Rams and the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo one of his favorite passes is that short throw over the middle. And conversely, the Rams are one of the worst teams in the league in defending throws over the middle 
in a zero to 15 yard range. And I think that says a lot about their linebackers. Now we know uh, the front four, what have you, the front three, their pass rushers, their main stars up front on that defensive line uh, are stars indeed. And you've got certainly one in the secondary as well with Jalen Ramsey, but kind of in between that might be a hole where you can get at Los Angeles. And that was really where San Francisco and Jimmy Garoppolo saw a lot of success, not so much in the championship, game, but I think that game was really won by the Rams' defense and their ability to stop the run. They held San Francisco to just two and a half yards per carry in that championship game. So uh, without San Francisco being able to run the ball, they weren't able to do much else. They weren't able to set up the pass, but I I think Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati coaching staff Um, Sure, they're aware of this, of course. Uh, If we are, then they are. That's what I typically like to say. Um, But I think they're going to have to use Mixon out of the backfield and put him over the middle and then also have some of these receivers cross over the middle in that, say, 8- to 12-yard window. And maybe that's where they can slow down this pass rush a little bit and move the ball downfield. I don't know if it's going to be in big chunks, uh, James. Maybe that'll set up big chunks. But I think initially they're going to have to throw that short pass over the middle where the Rams may be susceptible or at least have shown they have over the course of the season. Yeah, and that's where I think the the loss, if he's not able to play for their tight end with, with C.J. Uzma, is he going to be out there or not? And even if he is, how healthy truly is he going to be? I think that's where maybe on the slot side with Boyd, Tyler Boyd, being able to run some of those quick angle routes as well into the seams and over the middle, uh, not just Joe Mixon being able to get outside and, and, and curl around and do those arrow routes from the H routes inside, but also Boyd. So start looking at maybe some well, obviously quicker passes to keep the pass rush honest here, but also, you know, it's going to be coverage rolled on the outside for, I think there's going to be plenty of coverage on the outside for both Chase and Higgins and Boyd's going to be a big factor here. And I think the other part too, is we've got to recognize the fact that the Rams, They've been beat up this last month, the last six weeks, down the seams, down the middle. Both Now Rapp will be back. Taylor Rapp should be back for this game. He's missed. He was hurt in week 18, that loss to San Francisco. He had a concussion. They also lost Jordan Fuller, their other safety. He's gone for the, he's gone for the year, so he's not playing in this game. So they've had to, to rely on some backups and top of backups. Those were two backups that were thrust into the starting role at the safety position going into the season because they let Johnson and Hill go to Cleveland. They were their safeties before, and, or Johnson was the, the slot. But I, I think here, that's right, Brady. I think you're going to be able to attack down the seams, and we know Burrow, he can make all the throws, and he's not afraid to throw the ball in tight windows. That's the thing about, he can throw guys open, but if they're playing tight, and I think for the Rams, we're going to see a lot of zone coverage. They have played the least amount of man coverage. They're actually the third lowest in man coverage throughout the NFL uh, just playing man at 15% of the snaps defensively. So I think we're going to see plenty of zones and Burrow's going to put those balls into tight windows. And I think a lot of those tight windows will be available and maybe bigger windows, bigger gaps with that, with those safeties rolled to the outside to be able to find to your point down the seams. But I think maybe somebody like Boyd is somebody we should start to, to, talk more about hit what his player prop looked like as far as receiving yards because I think Boyd's going to play a big factor in some of those big throws down the, down the scene. All right, maybe we have talked one another into a couple of plays here. I've got yes, the uh, receiving props in front of me here. Joe Mixon at over or under 25 and a half yards. I think I'd certainly be looking at the over on that. And then Tyler Boyd 
over or under 40 and a half yards receiving. I think I could go bo- uh, over on both of those. I think so too. And looking for boy to, to play this factor. I think it's for me, it's going to be, what is the status of the tight end position for Cincinnati coming into this game? We'll James, find let, out me, more let me interrupt you week. real quick. If the tight end, if Uzama is out, you're probably more reason to bet these over, correct? Absolutely. Yep. Because now he's, that's going to, he's going to be a feature target in that area, in that middle, that, that mid range area down the hash marks. That's where Boyd's really going to shine. So, yeah, if Uzmas is not playing, definitely want to get involved with Boyd, but going to keep an eye on that. I suspect he's probably not going to play. Even if he does play Brady, he's just not going to be fully healthy. You're talking about two weeks coming off of a pretty significant MCL sprain. It's not a tear. It's just a sprain, but the swelling, everything that's involved, I'm sure he's going to want to get out there just like Tyler Higby will on the other side for the Rams, but just not being effective. You want to be at your best. Talk about Super Bowl, and in this case here, neither of those tight ends, if they make it to the field, are going to be anywhere close to 100%. So maybe one man's absence will be more production out of Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd. We will see interesting bets there for sure to consider. We'll come back with more in just a moment on the Pro Football Blitz right here at VSIN, the sports betting. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the sports betting network. Join our own Stormy Bonantoni on Friday at 6 p.m. for the Big Game Betting and Beers event at the South Point Casino right here in Las Vegas. Stormy will be joined by our guys in the desert, Chris Andrews, Jimmy Vaccaro, and Vinny Maliulo for a fun and informative look at betting this year's big game and stories from behind the book about all the action these legends have seen over the years. The event is free for everyone 21 years and older, so stop by the South Point this Friday at 6 p.m. You'll get free samples of Bookmaker Blonde and specials on Budweiser. Purchase signed copies of Chris Andrews' books and learn from these bookmaking experts. Sounds like a plan. Betting and beers this Friday at the South Point with the guys. James, uh, of course, we have such an increased flow of information for the Super Bowl. And, you know, you and I, you probably even more so than I, scour the injury reports. But obviously that is a big part of what we do throughout the week, looking at the injury reports and keeping our ear you know, close to the buzz and all the noise across the newswire for what is an entire slate of games during the regular season. Now we've got just one game, and the information is exponentially larger as far as the media coverage and all the noise out there and information. So when you're handicapping the Super Bowl as a better, are you trying to soak up all that information and maybe more information going into this isolated game? Or are you more so trying to filter and block out a lot of the noise that we hear leading up to Super Bowl? I try to block out a lot of the the noise that has nothing to do with the game. And I think media day, all the crazy questions that get asked of the players usually don't typically. What's your New Year's resolution, right? (laughs) <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, they're going to break those New Year's resolution. Whoever wins the Super Bowl because they're they're going to they're definitely whichever team wins it is going to going to be getting down and having a good time. But I think for for me outside of I, I I can remember one time though Brady and this was this was oh eight years it was when the Broncos played Seattle in New York in that Super Bowl and the Broncos had been lighting everybody up fifty five I think it was fifty five touchdown passes from Peyton Manning that year with the Denver Broncos.
Broncos. I mean, they were just they were rolling through teams and they were playing the Legion of Boom. That was back. Now we're hearing about the Legion of Boom and the Seattle defense and all the questions that were being asked that week. How are you going to be able to stop this Peyton Manning freight train of an offense? And and I, I can remember clearly. I, it wasn't the media day, but it was in one of those sessions with Marshawn Lynch. And we know Marshawn Lynch was was not one to love to be in front of cameras. I'm just I'm just here so I won't get fined. That's our that, that was our man. But I do remember at one point they had, he he kind of exemplified the fact that they were tired of hearing about it. They were sick of hearing about the, this explosive eye, and rightfully so. Denver had a tremendous season that year as far as the offense was concerned, but. They were asking Marshawn Lynch about that. Hey, how are your how are your teammates going to be able to slow down this pass game, et cetera, et cetera? And he just flat out looked at that woman and he said, "You know what? We got some dogs, boss." And that was it. It sold me because his conviction. And I thought about it and I thought, absolutely, this team has been hearing about this for two weeks. They've had enough. And they did have some dogs. That was the Legion of Boom. You know those guys would bring the noise, and they certainly did. Obviously, the first play of the game turned into a safety, flipping the ball over his head and just not being prepared for the crowd noise. And Denver really hearing about how awesome they were for two weeks and how they were just going to – they they should have already had a Super Bowl party lined up here in Denver because that game was history. And sometimes, occasionally – those kind of conferences, those new conferences, there's sound bites that I can take that will apply into the handicap, but that's really the exception for me, Brady. That instance right there, that's the one that came to mind first and foremost. But for the most part, no, I'm still just sticking to the game plan. I'm looking at game plan. So we talk about the practice or the injury reports, a lot to be said for the both of those tight ends, because I think both those tight ends, more so on the Rams side, when we're talking about Tyler Higby, are really impactful for that Rams passing game and some of the things that we might be able to see since Cincinnati do in coverage if Higby is not there and maybe roll more coverage outside uh, outside especially for OBJ and maybe some bracket coverage on the inside where you know Cooper Cup's going to be running so many of those choice and option routes inside uh, that's what I'm really going to be focused on how are those guys going to be able to get out there on the field and if they're not how does that potentially adjust the game plans for both offenses. You know, James, I think you bring up an interesting point talking about Marshawn Lynch and talking about his defense in reaction to all the buzz that the Denver offense was getting that year. What about all the buzz? It seems like you and I are talking about it, and I know everybody else is, and I imagine it's probably going to be addressed at media day with the players and whatnot, and that is the apparent mismatch between the Rams' pass rush and the Bengals' offensive line. i got to believe those guys on the Bengals' offensive line are taking this personally. And like, hey, you know, wait a minute. Yeah, you know, we've done this and that, but... um, you know, we're not just ready to hand the Rams six or eight sacks here in this game. You know, we've got something to say about this. Absolutely. That's the competitive pride that shows out, right? You get tired of hearing it. And, and yeah, the, the talent is uh, the, the talent factor. That's clearly going to be a mismatch up front between the, the pass rush and the talent that they have on that side of the field for the Los Angeles Rams defense. But absolutely, they're going to get tired of hearing about But At some point, I'm sure the Bengals will feel like, well, why do we even show up? Why should we even be here in the Super Bowl? Because it's the Rams have all the star power and they have all the greatest, best players out there. I don't even know why we should show up to compete because we've already anointed the Rams as Super Bowl champions of, of Super Bowl 56. So, yeah, absolutely, they're going to get tired of hearing that. And it's one thing to get tired of hearing it, play with your chip on the shoulder, but then they're going to have to offensively, as far as schematically goes, and we saw that last week against Kansas City, quicker throws, we're 
probably see some more pressure fronts on the interior for the Rams uh, to, to try to put some pressure on those guards and, and the center. And, and does that open up some opportunities for the pass rush? She'll get the ball out of Burrow's hands quicker. So from a competitive standpoint, yeah, it's going to piss you off. So I'm tired of hearing about I can't play. I can play too. Cincinnati's going to be feeling that way offensively up front. But then I think schematically, that's really where we break down the handicap. We get into the game theory and we get into the player props. What does that look like as far as the the change that needs to happen for Cincinnati? Because it's not going to be these deep drops and trying to match up one-on-one up front with that offensive line versus that pass rush, get the ball out quickly, get the screen game going, all the things that we've been talking about. That's where we really can dig into the player props and how this game will play out for four quarters. James, where do you sit on the coaching matchup? We talked about this with Vinny Iyer just a little bit. You've got Zach Taylor, of course, the head coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. He was the wide receivers coach for the Rams in 2017. He was the quarterback coach for the Rams in 2018. Both of those were under the tutelage of Sean McVay as the head coach. And, you know, Zach Taylor dealing with the wide receivers and the quarterback, that seems to be one of the very most important elements of this Rams offense. I think that's probably a good thing. The fact that he was centered, you know, in that area with this Rams team. And again, I don't know if it's going to create any sort of advantage, but it certainly can't hurt for Zach Taylor. No, it's not especially you think about potential tendencies that he might be able to play off of a uh, different quarterback at that time to what they have now with with Matthew Stafford under center. Uh, but I don't know if I trust either of these coaches. I mean, they think about McVay and he's great at scripting things out and and putting the play putting the game plan in, but then you have to adjust as the game progresses and his in-game management. We saw it last week Brady against San Francisco. We were questioning as we were on the pro, pro football blitz during the NFC Championship game the the couple of challenges that he threw where we cl- clearly saw from the from the first time. We didn't even need to see the replay. Like that's a bad challenge. That's a bad decision. And you start to feel like is he sensing the pressure? Because now you're just feeling desperate to have to throw a flag, and we really need this play to go our way. So I'll go ahead and sacrifice the 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 challenge as well as the timeout to hopefully maybe we can find a way to get some momentum. I don't know. Is, is I'm going to ask you: Is between the two, we don't really have anything to go off of Taylor outside of what they've done in the playoffs so far. And I think that the, the adjustments more so. I, I trust more the adjustments we've seen out of Cincinnati defensively than what we're going to see out of Zach Taylor offensively. But from the other side, with McVeigh and the and the it, as the game progresses with the LA Rams. I don't know if I really trust McVeigh just based on what we've seen. And we have a bit of a history beyond the NFC Championship game of some questionable in-game decisions from Sean McVeigh for the L.A. Rams. No, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, early in his career, until this season, really, Zach Taylor took a lot of guff for not being a good football coach. Now, a great quarterback certainly helps a lot of that, but I think he's improved as well. I mean, you can't expect a guy. I mean, look at Josh McDaniels. He did not do so well uh, in Denver when he got a head coaching job there. He goes back to the Patriots as the offensive coordinator. Now he's with the Las Vegas Raiders. I think the second time around, you're going to see big improvement out of Josh McDaniels and McVay. You just go back to the last couple of games. You know, he he nearly gave the 49ers back that game uh, in in the NFC Championship, and he nearly gave the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back the game in the divisional round. So I, I think he has certainly been shaky. Uh, McVay is 33 and 15 straight up, 28 
eight and twenty against the spread on the road as the Rams head coach. He's twenty nine and fourteen straight up, twenty one twenty and two against the spread at home. Since Joe Burrow joins the Bengals, Zach Taylor is 17-18-1 straight up, 23-13-1 against the spread. Taylor is 12-7 straight up when Cincinnati owns a record of 500 or better, including 6-1 against the spread as a road underdog. We'll get back into the schedule, the common opponents between these two teams when we return on the Pro Football Blitz. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Do you have questions about betting the Super Bowl? Wondering how to hedge? Maybe you're looking for an unusual prop or insights from one of our hosts? The VEASAN Big Game Help Desk is here for you. Submit your questions at vsin.com slash Super Bowl, and it could be answered by our experts on the air or at vsin.com. James, you and I were talking about this on the earlier program, the Pro Football Blitz in the Super Bowl preview, and that is the schedules for these two teams, both in the playoffs and in the regular season. And I think it's very interesting. It's really an alarming number of common opponents that they had throughout the season. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have played nine games against teams that the Rams had faced, and the Rams played ten games against teams that the Cincinnati Bengals had faced. The Bengals went six and three straight up in those games, five and four against the spread. The Rams were six and four straight up, but just three and seven against the number, and in their nine common opponent games, Cincinnati had a net point differential of plus 67, and in the 10 games, the Rams had a net point differential of plus 26, and I know this isn't the end-all, be-all stat, but uh, you know we do this, I think, in a lot of handicapping situations, maybe bowl games, You know when you have sort of a championship matchup, teams that typically don't face each other during the regular season, and then you look at common opponents, and there's a number of cases here where the Bengals have a little bit of an edge. Looking at common opponents, it'd be more so for me looking at styles of those common opponents. Yeah. And how does they'll... How, 
how does that match up for this particular game here? And, you, you know, I, we don't want to get caught up in, well, Team A lost to Team B, and then Team <laughs> C beat Team A, so then therefore give me Team C, and those kind of things, right? Like, think about it. Okay, well, to start the season, the, the Rams jumped all over, and they throttled the Chicago Bears on the opening night, and then – Two, a week later, Cincinnati goes into Chicago and they throw that Burrow has a rough game and they lose at Chicago. So therefore, the Rams should win this football game, right? Yeah, we know it's not nearly that simple. We also have to consider, and you know me, for the scheduling, a lot of it comes down to the scheduling spots. And I think for Cincinnati, it took Joe Burrow a while. He had just been eight months removed from major reconstructive knee surgery and a credit to him to be able to even get out there week one opening day to get out and compete back as the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. Such a quick turnaround from a big knee injury the way that he suffered late in the season in 2020. Uh, but then I, I think the to your point, when it when was he going to play? How healthy was Burrow going to be when he actually got back out on the field? As opposed to the Rams, where they were the one of the odds-on favorite to be in the Super Bowl, and probably their numbers were were you know dictated that and were inflated to that respect as a favorite in most of those games that they were playing. So I, I think when you're talking about against the spread and also some of the common opponents, there's so many other things that we got to dissect here. But I think right now, where is both teams obviously have the momentum coming into this matchup. But from what can we see from a stylistic standpoint here? Uh, is there something similar to let's just look at what we saw from San Francisco in the, the three games that they played against the the. Los Angeles Rams obviously coming up short in the fourth quarter in the NFC Championship game, but really handling the the first two games against Los Angeles. What can we take away from San Francisco and that style of play that we saw against the Rams that maybe we can piece apart some of that from the Cincinnati Bengals, Brady? I think it's a great point that you make, James, that the expectations were not very high at all for the Cincinnati Bengals, probably until the second half of the season when everybody could see that this team was really starting to put something together. And conversely, there were a lot of expectations on the Rams uh, as one of the preseason favorites. So you're right. Good observation there as to why maybe some of those numbers against the spread were skewed. I also think you bring up a great point. And I'm going to dive in deeper here to these common opponents and look at the styles of the teams that they faced. And, you know, to your point, you know, if, if you're going to apply the transitive theory, uh, the Rams lost to the Titans and the Bengals beat the Titans, so the Bengals are going to beat the Rams, right? So, no, but uh, I, I think that's a good study. And, and you can kind of, I mean, because there are so many common opponents, I, I think you can go look at that and treat it a number of different ways. But uh, I, I don't think that's a, a bad spot to handicap this matchup because we happen to get so many common opponents in this particular Super Bowl. So it's it's an interesting foundation there for a, a handicapper to go look closely, more closely at where those teams did against common opponents. Uh, and how about how they did against playoff teams as well? Cincinnati was 7-2 and two straight up against teams that made the playoffs, 8-1 and one against playoff teams against the spread. The Rams were 5-5 five and five straight up and 4-6 and six against the number against playoff teams. Uh, Super Bowl teams coming off of an outright win as an underdog of greater than three points are 11-3-1 against the spread in the big game all the way since 1980. Teams with the lower winning percentage in the Super Bowl matchup are 11-4 straight up and 14-1 against the spread 
over the last 15 Super Bowls. And I think what these two things are telling us, James, and it kind of goes to your point earlier about the Cincinnati Bengals, the the underdog in the eyes of the betting public is maybe being a bit undervalued for the Super Bowl, and the favorite maybe tends to be a bit inflated or upgraded too much by the betting public in the Super Bowl. Especially this matchup in particular with the Rams and all the star power and the expectations that they were supposed to be here. They they made it through and and were able to, especially the, the middle of the season when it, things looked really bad for the Rams. They went on that three-game losing streak, not only losing those games to Tennessee and, and to Green Bay in particular, but just getting rolled in those games, not looking competitive, not being able to make adjustments in-game, not having an answer, and really looking pretty finesse and soft on both sides of the football in the trenches and no signs of Aaron Donald in that pass rush in any of those games that they lost but uh, I think here yeah for the Rams because of the expectations and the fact that they they've made it there to their credit um, but they were supposed to be here Brady and so with that said yeah they're going to be probably that number is going to be kicked up a little higher than what it probably should be because of the other side the Bengals, no one, I didn't expect them to be in the Super Bowl here, Brady. That was not one of my picks when I was looking at the at the AFC side as far as the representative in this contest come next Sunday. Yeah, I think for that number sitting at four and a half, uh, that's, you know, for somebody that likes to jump on the dogs there, that's something that uh, I'm, I'm not going to, I haven't got to the side, Brady, we know that, but I'm not leaning towards the Rams side laying that number in this contest. It's still trying to find a way. How can I find a way to to handicap that offensive line and that mismatch on the interior against the Rams? But as far as the number is concerned and the fact that the, the Bengals really, we've talked about it, feeling like they got nothing to lose, no pressure on this team to even get to the Super Bowl, let alone have to go win it play loose just the way that Smoke and Joe Burrow likes to play, and I think more pressure builds throughout the week with all the media requests, and that's the last piece too, Brady. We talked about this earlier in the program with the Rams. Yeah, you're going to be playing in your home stadium, but I'd wonder with the distractions that come with that, more requests, more requests for media, local media, your home, you're seeing your local news every night, and they're pumping you guys up and everything that you're hearing about how awesome it's going to be for the Rams to win the Super Bowl right here in the city of Los Angeles, I just wonder if that continues to serve as more of a distraction and the fact that you're a favorite and everybody's expecting you to go out there and perform at a highest level and win this football game and win it convincingly, Brady. That's the biggest piece here, not only to win, but you've got to win it convincingly, especially as a as a larger favorite at four and a half. James, uh, I, I know I've been listening to your, you know, your your angles, your theory, your the way you're seeing this matchup develop for the last couple of days, and obviously both you and I we're not all the way home just yet. We've still got a week to go, but it seems initially that that in the trenches matchup, the the pass rush versus the Bengals offensive line, that's certainly a sticking point for you. The other thing that I'm hearing is you're leaning towards taking the four and a half points. Is, is there a number, like, if this was two and a half or three, would that have you on the Rams or, or, or maybe Rams money line? Is that a possibility for you? Or you're looking at that four and a half as, as a nice number. You think that's maybe too much to give the underdog. Do you think Cincinnati has a real shot to win the game? 
I think more so for me because I just have been uh, I haven't been on the Rams bandwagon all season long. I just feel like this is a very finesse team, and all the star power aside, it's a very finesse team. We talk about at, at the offensive line of scrimmage for the Rams. This is a pass blocking offensive line. This is as part of the, one of the reasons I know they've had injuries at the running back position, but it's just not a very physical type of offensive line. It's the, I just when it gets into the trenches here, I want teams that can go and knock somebody down and push folks around and dominate dominate at that line of scrimmage. The Rams just aren't one of those teams. Yeah, plenty of star power, but too finesse for me right now to still try and get on this bandwagon this late in the season here a week to go. All right, we're going to dive back into some more prop bets when we come back on the other side. It is the Pro Football Blitz right here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the sports betting network. We'll be right back. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.